ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Welcome everybody back to the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode seven. Episode seven. Um, I know, right? It's uh, it's it's still this fun journey. So welcome, and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that current events, life, food, that plant life, um, that plant-based life, because, you know, we're all about that. Hashtag And uh, I know. <laughs> sit, back, sit back and enjoy the ride. But you can't – I actually saw something on Twitter. Like, I actually had to take off hashtag plant-based. Okay. Because a bunch of people that were all about that weed life <laughs> kept tagging us. And like <laughs> – it happened like one or two times. I'm like, yeah, I don't smoke weed. You know, that's funny. I, I do recall there was, there was some, no, you know what it was? I, uh, I think it was on Instagram, um, with my vegan cooking, uh, profile that I have. I had tagged, tried to tag the lemon tree cafe that's out in Wake, Wake Forest. And right. I just did like at, you know, lemon, the lemon tree, which turns out is, uh, like a either a weed grower or like dispensary somewhere else and so like i got all these likes and then i was like oh sh-, like looking at the people's names you could just it was like you know 420 all day and stuff like that where it likes your photo and i'm like mm, <laughs> i think i might have tagged the wrong thing in there and so like i clicked on it and i was like ah okay i gotta delete that and then i found the right one and put it in <laughs> so. yeah i don't i don't uh yeah i, I don't think the two are, are they don't go together well they do if they you have can yeah <laughs> but they don't necessarily like it does they don't have to yeah just because you're so, you're all about that plant-based diet doesn't mean that you're all about that plant-based diet <laughs> yeah it's not about <laughs> my plants uh yeah hashtag I'm 420 good. all day i know right <laughs> cooking So I, I, uh, I've been using my Instapot a lot. I love it. Um, I almost made the perfect Satan mix, and I was super stoked. But the flavor, Satan. the flavor, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the flavor was great. But I'm trying to get the 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 chew texture right. So I'm going to take a break, and I think I'm that much closer. Um, yeah, I Again. you know you had been talking about um, Philly cheesesteaks the last time we mm-hmm. were hanging out, and I had not. So I'd had seitan bacon, um, right. but I hadn't tried like just using plain seitan or making seitan. So I went on a quest um, to try and find <laughs> vital wheat gluten or whatever it is that you need the gluten flour to make seitan and. Could not find it at the first two stores I went to. And so then Did you go to Whole Foods? No, so I didn't. I went to Harris Teeter and then I had to go to Target anyways, and they have some of the like healthier vegan options occasionally, but they didn't have that. And so there's right. the Earth Fair store that was right next to Target. And I was like, Well, I have never been in there, but it, it sounds like it should be a healthy store, so I imagine they'll have what I'm looking for. And so I went in and to find out that they're closing. And I'm like, well, what a great time for me to come in for the very first time. Um, <laughs> and I did. I found pre, pre-made Satan. Uh, I think it's like the West Soy brand. Um, right. And, you know, it's like it's it was discounted, but 
it was still a little pricey for the amount that you got. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely curious to try and make my own. Um, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Um, and I think Satan works best. Like I'm, I'm probably going to take a break from making steaks, and that was like my last experiment um, for right now. But I'm getting close to the the right texture. But when I make seitan for like Philly cheesesteaks or chicken slices or whatever, that one's easier. That recipe's like I have a go to. I'm like, yeah, I feel comfortable with that. But when it comes to making, yeah, like a, a more detailed recipe, like the steak part, I've got the flavor down. I just got to get the right um, chew texture, and that's what's throwing me off. I, I don't really like the. It's not a doughy taste. It's more like a, a flat chew, which I'm not really into. Right. You're looking for a little bit more spring back because it's that's more like the steak texture. And I wonder, yeah. you know, with that, because you're, you know, when you're doing the smaller pieces, like for a Philly cheesesteak or chicken slices, um, I think you get more crispiness on the outside. Like it's thinner, right? So there's less kind of meaty middle and so yeah i don't know have you tried doing um like cauliflower steaks no i want um <laughs> i haven't tried that yet but that's on the list but i think the the problem is is that for the like uh seitan like slices and whatever like for the cut-ups mm -hmm. i boiled the seitan and that's the right it really is the right um you know chew i'm like yeah that's cool but with the steaks, I keep steaming them. And like I didn't, I have this recipe that I'm like, this is going to be it. The flavor is so spot on. Mm -hmm. But I think I have to try the same recipe, but boil it this time or simmer it. Yeah. So, it so, actually... so you're steaming it and then do you sear it at all or is it just steam? Yeah, I sear them. Okay. It, yeah. You steam them, then you actually, you know, put them on the grill or whatever. And it's just, it's not the right texture. And that's what's driving me crazy. It's like the flavor is so spot on. It's just a flat chew, and I just I'm not down with that. So yeah, it's interesting because you know I know that you have stated previously that you know you are there were certain meat things you know that yeah. you were gonna have to find equivalent replacements for. Um, I've you know like interestingly enough I haven't found myself like needing a lot of that meat replacement. And I don't know if I just, I think I always had kind of a weird relationship with meat to begin with. Right. Um, if we want to get really like philosophical for a second, um, <laughs> meat was like, always mean to me at lunch. You no, know, it's just like, I, I always just kind of struggle. Like I had to, I had to kind of separate what it was that I was eating from my head while I was eating it. If there was anything that kind of reminded me like, Hey, by the way, this was a cow or, this used to be like chicken for whatever reason it didn't bother me as much, but um like I really didn't like like really chewy, grizzly, you know, cuts of meat. Yeah. It always had to be like, you know, just a much finer and maybe I just that's my growing up with my silver spoon. <laughs> well, once <laughs> once I I was probably twenty or so and I started like really enjoying steak, I just love steak. I, it's just one of the things where it's like, yeah, me steak in an island, that's cool. You know, I just lo I love steak. It's I went like and I went through a period of time where I like I was eating steak two three times a week. 
easily. Yeah. You know, when right was when I got my cast iron skillet and realized how easily I could do like a really delicious ribeye. Um yeah. you know, and but then I just like I I mean I I got to a point where I was cooking for myself and buying a steak or like a bunch of steaks to cook. It just seemed like, well, that's a lot of work to <laughs> do that for myself. Like um so yeah, I didn't like I used to do uh one of the things that I do kind of miss. My mom had this recipe for like a beef a, a standing beef roast. Um that she would oh, do at yeah. Christmas time with like, you know, the salt and pepper crust and garlic like stuffed inside the darn thing like um and it would just fall apart and I like I do kind of miss that, you know, jackfruit is supposed to have a similar texture to like pulled pork. Um, it does, but really good. The I've just I have not personally. I don't I don't like the jackfruit that I've tried. Um, now what I haven't tried is preparing it myself. It's always been like a pre-prepared one, but every time that I've tried it, it just it it still it just has this weird texture to me that I is not. It's not what I'm looking for, I guess. Yeah, um, I've there's a guy. Uh, some gosh um i'm gonna while we're talking i'm gonna look him up on youtube because that's rude he's got pay attention cool. to your audience Man, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got some cool meat experiments that he does like you know and he's sauce stash so sauce s-t-a-c-h-e mm-hmm. it is so like impressive it's like he's got this laboratory of like goodness going on and whether it's chicken or like different you know he'll f- find something from beyond meat and break it apart and reproduce it in his kitchen i'm like that is so baller um i don't have that type of time so um he's got a lot of intricate like Why, what are you doing <laughs> I know. not my full-time job uh but i i think it def- if i had the time I mean, just, hold, up. hold up hold up hold up I went to his YouTube channel and it started playing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, he's got a lot of cool um, like recipes. Like I really dig that. So I've got like this list of people on YouTube I'm following because like it's really interesting how they can figure that stuff out. Now, you know, I I'm not like craving meat, um, but I do like steak is one of those things. Uh, having a Philly cheesesteak every now and then, a burger. That's going to keep me happy. Yeah, I mean, that Philly cheesesteak that I made the other night, and it's funny because for me, like, the thing that I've always I always loved about the Philly cheesesteak, it wasn't really so much the steak. It was the onions and the peppers. Like, that's, yeah. what, that's what I realize now is that in a lot of cases, I just, like, the vegetables are enough for me, and I don't need, I, I don't, like, I don't have to have that meat replacement or that meat focus within the the meal but i mean there's still time like i mean do like the dr prager's burgers um or you know like the uh chicken patties in the air fryer um right you know if i'm looking for a quick meal but um i've been doing lots of pasta and salads See, and stuff pasta, like that yeah pasta is going to be kind of uh like i haven't made a vegan lasagna yet but i'm that's probably something I need to do i love lasagna so steak and lasagna top two right there there's some um, really good like um, cashew ricotta recipes uh, that I can send okay. you. Um, okay. That are pretty easy. I mean, that's that's the other like 
using cashews as a cheese replacement um, or like a cream replacement in a lot of the like the pasta dishes is really nice and it's, and it's pretty easy. Um, you just soak them overnight and then throw them in the blender uh, and get them nice and, and liquidy. So, um, yeah, that like Alfredo uh, cashew sauce that I, I know. I know, you know, the cream. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be you said the a, a word it's like ah, i just don't want to mess with that yeah i, right. I don't I know what pizza it is dough in the um, fridge i'm probably gonna do that for dinner tonight yeah i don't know what i'm doing for dinner but um i love my instapot air fryer love that's like it's brilliant so apparently instapot has a, a fryer air fryer lid mm-hmm. um but it's like guys i'm sorry that some of those those you those uh cool kitchen items don't work if you're cooking more than one thing right so i was like yeah but i have an air fryer now combined with my instapot like what if i want to cook something else right so things like that just kind of make me go yeah and no no i mean Um, that's definitely uh i've run into that issue because i have the the foodie ninja or whatever um Ninja Which foodie. keeps popping up on my yeah. Amazon keeps trying to get me to buy that now. Yeah, and it, I love it. Um, you know, and it, but it is one of the, like I have to kind of plan and think. All right, well, if I'm going to use the pressure cooker, then I can't really use the air fryer. Or if I do, I have to make sure that I can take out. You know, like if it's rice, then I have to take the rice out and have right. You know, so it's a, it requires a little bit more planning sometimes, but. Um, it's it's nice having one device that you can do all of those things in. Um, although you no doubt I agree with that, but have to store some of the extra parts somewhere. <laughs> no, that's yeah, I made dinner last night like probably prep time total of ten minutes or so, and cook time total like thirty minutes. And I literally prepped everything in the kitchen, came back to my office, thinking about what time uh, Tachi was getting home. And just started everything then. It was like brilliant. Um, and I think, you know, I I do enjoy that the, there's more convenience in plant-based cooking. There's, it's actually cheaper on your grocery bill. Like I'm not, you know, like I've actually gone to like a once a week trip mm-hmm. because I've got a lot more fruits and veg- or vegetables and fruits. Um, and it's actually cheaper. I mean, it's it's like amazing. Yeah. So I don't know if people really think about that. It's not, yeah, you're going to make some substitutions and et cetera, et cetera. But, for the but most in part, a lot of the cases, like the, the cost of the substitute is equal to what it is that you're replacing. You right. Know, like buying the chicken yeah. chicken patties versus, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. an, or seitan, you know, even if you're getting it pre-made, it's still, uh, yeah, I, I still think it's a better better value overall. Yeah. It's time for politics. Okay. Um, my famous transition line there. Did, did you watch the debate last night? You know what? I'm, I'm going to surprise you this time. You know that I did not. Because I got home from, <laughs> from Boston and... Um, well, two things. One, um, I was tired, and two, I was all about that NC State versus yeah. Duke basketball game. Yeah, that, that's why you're so chipper today. Um, whatever. 
Um, okay, yeah, we'll just move on past that. So, did you watch the debate last night? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was a, it was a carnival. <laughs> I think the most that. important question is: Can Pete Buttigieg speak Norwegian? Yeah, that's a requirement if you're going to be president. You have to speak Norwegian fluently. Barack Obama did it. Donald Trump is. Bill Clinton. John F. Kennedy. That's not. That's not. You're, I know you're messing with me. That's not even sure. I'm like, <laughs> trying to think of what maybe one instance when that was actually true. Um, I well, I lived in Norway, so I'm, you know, I have an affinity for that country. I don't. I've Can you speak haven't Norwegian. No. Um, the last time I actually even used my vocabulary was in Chicago one time when there were some people from Sweden, mm-hmm. and there are some layer similarities between the two languages and they were talking and the translator we were in a group the translator was trying to translate but i'd already answered the question and everybody's like dude you speak swedish like well no i lived in norway and there and i had some friends that spoke both languages and i understand some of the words languages in general kind of it's like once you get a some type of fundamental like the basics down you can probably pick up most things yeah um Anyway, but that's even if I did, it's like when I took German, completely useless in my life now. <laughs> like, I had no use for German at all. Um, Give it another well, fifteen years and see where we're at. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, the, <laughs> the debate was was a, it was just a carnival. It was so insane to watch how childish each and every candidate. Except for Joe Biden, well, that's not true. Uh, except for uh, Mike Bloomberg, didn't, Joe Biden for the most part didn't go into the, the childish antics, which was kind of refreshing. Um, but it was embarrassing. It, it was just like, wow, you guys. First of all, I think every debate, it's like they have a Twitter feed, and they're trying to cover the topics from a Twitter feed in the debate. Like they weren't really addressing issues. It was. What was a hot topic that we're going to discuss and ask the candidates and see what their their opinion is of it? In reality, they weren't really addressing issues. Um, where and I just where did the topics come from? I don't I don't know I don't know where they're getting these topics from, but they, they're not topics that are they can't be relevant to the average person. It's like the media is having a they're trying to wrap up a story they did two weeks ago. <laughs> they're just trying to get the feedback from the candidates on their opinion. So, um, interesting. It's really, it was really frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I, Amy Klobuchar showed a side of herself which is very unappealing. I'm like, you understand that if Pete Buttigieg just baited you and you reacted like that. You just killed your public perception, right? The people that think that you're this, you know, steady, even-keeled personality. They're just all like, oh, no, she's, she's bash, you know, she's crazy. <laughs> so, um. What about Pete? Did he do was, anything to win you over? Or just more of the he, same? Yeah, more of the same. Like, I, I, I don't know where that guy, um. I, I He's just from don't Indiana. Like, That's where. Yeah, I just don't like him. I don't. There's something about him that seems so fake, and it's like you're like one of the fakest dudes on the planet. Um, and it's sad that 
he's going to be remembered as a fake person. Um, kind of reminds <laughs> me of John Kerry. John Kerry had more personality than this kid. Like this guy is like. <clears throat> yeah, but I I always felt like with John Kerry that was that was a very forced personality. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> So the, the the thing with yeah the th- my thing with Kerry was that he was a pretty decent Secretary of State. Um, he actually had a personality and was able to have conversations with people. I think Pete Buttigieg, everything is scripted for him. Um, and I'm just not a big fan. I just don't you know I I don't care about the guy. I, like I don't think he's gonna get the nomination. If I'm I'm gonna say it again, I think that when it's all said and done, it's going the Democrats are gonna the DNC is gonna nominate mike bloomberg yep he's he's probably the only person that can like actually defeat donald trump and i i just really yeah. feel that i and totally they, agree. they asked they asked a question what uh, which kind of leads me to believe that the dnc is probably leaning that way anyway uh-huh. and the question to paraphrase was at the you know come time of the convention if the DNC elects somebody that doesn't have the most delegates. Are you going to support that person? And Bloomberg's like, yes. Elizabeth Warren was like, uh, Ness. So she was like in the middle, I think. <laughs> Joe Biden. Yes, was unless like, it's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Bernie Sanders was like, uh, no, the people have got to. I, I want to practice a Bernie Sanders impression because. I mean, the, you were starting talked, off pretty strong there, if you ask me. <laughs> He's like, no, the people's got to have their their choice. The people's got to have their choice. It's got to be up to the people, and it's just really, you know. So it's like, if he's you out. slow that um, down, though, that's a that's an Obama impression. That's the weird thing. Uh, I know. <laughs> I miss. I actually miss President Obama. Don't, Don't be at all at this point. <laughs> like, and I have my like issues, but it's like, man, the the sanity level was so much higher when he was a president. Now it's like we're in this. This crazy carnival of, of, of clowns. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, that's the recap. I'm not, you know, Elizabeth Warren was, well, it's not the recap. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren was like on point, man. She was picking fights with everybody. That's <laughs> like, like, good fights. She, I think she was about to punch Bernie Sanders for, for a minute. And I was like, go, go get it, Elizabeth. She went after Amy Klobuchar. And well, she's getting her ass kicked right now, isn't she? Yeah, she but she side eyed and pointed as she was talking about Amy Klobuchar. I was like, "Yo, she's trying to get you know, <laughs> like just pick a fight." She could have just walked over and slapped her. I mean, that's how disrespectful she was in a lot of the statements she was saying. She went at everybody. The only person she didn't go at was uh, Joe Biden. I mean, so it, it was just it's she's telling she's gonna ask him to be her her running mate if she gets the nomination (laughs) that's why like joe you want to be vice president again yeah i know right i think the uh, the only the the big takeaway for me and it's sad um is i feel that politicians do a pretty lame job of trying to unite the country and they use I hate the word minority, but they use non-white groups in a, in a very divisive way to get what they want. But at the end of the day, you, you, what actually made me really think about that is 
African Americans and Hispanics are not the only minorities in this country. But you never hear a politician talk about other groups in the country. And that is like for me it's it's so telling of, you know, just the manipulation that politicians try to, you know, like cast as good goodwill and oh we care about everybody. Nope. It's just like and, I, and I'm just being honest. It's like, yo, I know there are like Asians in this country. Like, we don't talk about Asians anymore because Andrew Yang's not, yeah, <laughs> in the you know in the uh, in the debates the, and right, in the debates. But it's just really, I just think it's really pathetic that they're so divisive in their speak, their tone of voice, and what they say they're trying to accomplish. But it's like, you you're excluding people. Like, you, I yeah, I'm black. But I know there's other people out there. Like I have neighbors that are from the Middle East, and they've got issues. You know, um, so it's just it just blows my mind. It it really does blow my mind. Well, so I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about Bloomberg. Where do you feel like he kind of falls in that? Because I mean, he's been doing a lot lately and throwing a ton of money around trying to get, you know, as much coverage and appeal to as much uh, as wide an audience as he can but is it all just pandering or is it trying to meet people at their on their level so i think it's a little bit of i think it's more of trying to meet people at their level and i i can tell i there was some very poignant attacks of the guy last night like it was just blah 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 bloomberg blah 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 bloomberg this in 1924 type stuff and this is very disappointing what the candidates failed to realize is that our current president got elected on things that were not establishment based. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, if you can't talk to people about things that are actually invo- involving them. So Bloomberg is like, it doesn't matter what they said, because in reality, people said the same thing about Donald Trump and he still got elected. People are going like people are going to elect the person they feel that can help them to get the best quality of life. And none of the candidates have said anything, you know, substantial that makes me believe that they've got it together. And I even include Bernie Sanders in this because where he does a great job is getting a lot of young voters excited. Yeah. The only problem is they don't show up and vote. So, like, when I look at, like, well, you know, Bernie's like, well, who's, a, who, you know, somebody asked him, who do you think the best qualified person is? And he goes, well, according to your poll, you said it's me, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm like, Bernie, dude, you got to understand, like, you can get all these 20-year-olds out there all day. You can get all these millennials, you know, 35-ish group out there all day and get them all excited. But if they don't go and vote, it doesn't matter. So, it, you know, I appreciate the fact that you can get people excited about the system that we live in. What I think is also damning for him is that he, you know, those people don't go vote. <laughs> it's like it doesn't really matter, you know. Uh, and I also want to like do a correction. The person that said "boo, don't boo, ver- yeah, don't boo, vote first was uh, Barack- President Barack Obama. And I think that that thing in and of itself is like, yeah, guys, you can be pissed all day long, but if you don't go and do something, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you can, you can be a Bernie person, a diehard Bernie, but if you're not voting, it doesn't really matter. No, I mean, I think the most important thing is you have to 
you know, educate yourself, right? Like stay informed in what, because I think a lot of the times it is, you know, people that are like, well, I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Republican, so I'm just going to vote straight ticket. Um, right. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to participate in the primary. I'll let somebody else choose who the candidate is that I'm going to vote for and then, you know, just go with that. And I think you really need to do your own research um, on both sides to make sure that you understand exactly where people stand on the issues, at least to the best of your ability. I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that the political, you know, process and the system that kind of oversees and runs that could do a hell of a lot better to provide that type of information in a standardized format where candidates are required to, you know, provide their their platform positions essentially for people to be able to go and get that um you know don't you think that kind of uh if i'm being realistic that's kind of short inside because they all have platform positions they all have websites they're all you know you know getting trying to get people to go to their websites and see more of their quote unquote plans the problem is most of the stuff they're talking about more than likely will not happen i don't i mean you can tell me your dreams all day but if you don't have a way to get there it's irrelevant well, I mean, but I, yeah, and I think that's, that's part of it, though, is that people in, and I don't know that it's necessarily any worse now than it was previously, but people are willing to just take politicians at their word, where right. it's like, well, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I think we should do, without necessarily looking at, well, how, what is the plan to accomplish this? Where do you outline exactly how you're going to do that? And if you find somebody who's out there spewing a bunch of nonsense, but doesn't have the actual plan in place to be able to back it up, then I think, you know, that that's not somebody you want to vote for. And that's why, that's where I think, you know, just like the onus ultimately is on each of us as members of this society to do our own research, to keep ourselves informed and educated on the issues and to be a participant in this process, you know, ultimately like, you sure as hell don't get to complain about it if you're not going to actually get out there and vote when you have the opportunity to do something about it. And to think that, you know, one single vote isn't going to matter. Well, no, of course, one single vote probably isn't going to be the difference in most elections. But enough people feeling that way certainly is going to make a difference in elections. And, yeah. you know, it's I don't have, you know, a, like... I don't care which side wins as long as it's what's best for the country. It's somebody that's going to do what's right for the country. Um, you know, and so. Uh, I mean, enough people thought Donald Trump being president would be helpful for the country, right? So outside of what everybody said, outside of all the rhetoric, the pundits, the talking heads, we have, you know, we have President Trump mm -hmm. and, you know, turn the tide. You know, still turn the tide to a really weird spot in history for the country, but it's, it's it has nothing to do with like everybody can say whatever they want to say because it sounds cool. The reality is, people are going to vote for what they feel is going to help them in their situation, and we're living through that currently. Like very not polarized, but well, yeah, it is in a very polarized environment of people that may have said i don't believe this i'm more aligned with this and we have a president that doesn't align with that i mean people in their you know behind closed doors are like yeah, that guy's gonna help me out <laughs> right i mean because yeah i think you're absolutely right that ultimately 
it was more people saying, yeah, he's done all these terrible things in the past or whatever you want to say. Maybe he may be guilty of these things, but ultimately I still feel like he is the better option for what's going to go forward. Um, right. You know. That'd be that as it may. Um, yeah. So you didn't, well, you missed a lot of exciting like stuff. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'll be that's, honest, that's part of the reason I don't really engage with the debates anymore is just because I don't I don't know that there's really that much value that's derived from them. Because it is just I mean, it just feels like such a dog and pony show where, you know, it's like, well, let's get out here and let's shout a bunch of things at each other and um, talk about how I'm the best candidate and everybody else up here is terrible. Like, you know. <laughs> It, you're all varying degrees of mediocre. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Sports. So let's talk about your, your Wolfpack winning last night. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know. Like, I love, I love it when we beat Duke. Um, there was when I was flying home yesterday from Boston, there was a kid sitting in the row in front of me who had a Duke sweatshirt on. And I did I didn't say anything because I I'm I've learned over the years that as an NC State fan, it's much better to wait and let us beat somebody <laughs> and then talk a bunch of crap than it is to open your mouth beforehand <laughs> and say something you're ultimately gonna have thrown back at you. But the lady sitting next to me when she got up saw his sweatshirt and leaned over and tapped him and said, so are we going to win tonight? And he kind of looked at her and he was like, huh? And she's like, Duke, are we going to win tonight? And before he could say anything, I said, I certainly hope not. <laughs> and she got so upset. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So anyways, um, I love that we beat Duke. It's always nice to beat Duke. It's kind of becoming a regular thing to some degree at, at PNC at least. Um, but, you know, it's like at the same time, it kind of makes you go, well, where's this team been the rest of the season? And I know we've had our injuries, um, but it's just, I, it, it's not going to matter if we don't go win a few more games ultimately. So it's very nice, very happy for the team. Um, you know, I think Keats had a pretty good game plan going in where he basically said we don't have anybody that can play defense against Vernon Carey regularly but what we don't want to do is let every other player on Duke's team beat us and so it was kind of like if they want to feed the especially once they got the lead it was like if they want to feed the post to Vernon Carey we're going to kind of just allow him to do that and we're going to let Bates play aggressively if he fouls out he fouls out we'll put dj down there and let him guard him um but i mean ultimately what it really was was devin daniels like just controlling everything on offense in the first half and then markel johnson and dj funderburg kind of carrying the torch down the stretch um and i mean markel's a great player when He's focused, I think. I don't, and I don't know what it is, but it's just there are nights where you watch him play, and he looks like a completely different guy. Um, I'm sure that's part of the reason he ended up at state, and not because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he. I mean, he's got ridiculous hops, um, 
And when, again, like he's, I mean, he made his first five three-pointers last night. Like, guy was unstoppable. Um, so, I don't know, what, what, was your, what was your take on it? I was, I, I like seeing Deke lose. So yeah. I mean, I don't care if it's like. You don't care who it is that's beating you. As long as, yeah. <laughs> ABD, yeah. anybody but Duke. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I was like, all right, cool. I'm sure Chris is going to be happy about that. Um, and like I said, Carolina season, in my mind, is pretty much over. <laughs> it's like, eh, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Hey, y'all have been playing better lately, though. Snowball's chance, Chris. Snowball's I, I'm chance. not saying you're – I'm just saying you've been playing, playing better lately. <laughs> It is what it is. It's no a, I will say, though, like it's a really weird year in college basketball in, in the ACC in particular, I think. Like this kind of weird, like everybody rotating at the top sort of thing, like Florida State, Duke, and Louisville all, all kind of like stepping to get to the top, and then one of them will lose to somebody like State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the um, – well, actually, I do. I don't have any qualms about the ACC, re, like you know, reorganizing yeah. and adding more teams in. But I think that it hasn't really made, in my opinion, it hasn't really made the the league better. I mean, I just think that it's kind of like, well, this conference is getting kind of, it's not stable anymore. Um, but, but that's just my opinion. But I guess, like, well, I mean. How would and you I'm define saying, stability? Let me, let me stop. Let me yeah, stop. Yeah, because I <laughs> what really what really hurts my feelings is Carolina is not as consistent as you said. Thank you. You knew where I was going with that. Yeah, I know. You try to like yeah, stability. Me off, I want Duke and Carolina to always be number one and number two, with Carolina number one and Duke number two, and then the rest <laughs> of the league can be whatever the hell else it wants. That's the ACC. Yeah, it's. God. And then I just stop. I don't watch college football because that's depressing in and of itself. So, anyway, I'm glad that State beat Duke. Well, I'm glad Duke lost. I don't really. Um, You're glad State I, beat Duke. Just admit it. You had two kids that went to State. I, yeah, I know. You sound like my wife. <laughs> she, she gets so mad. She goes, you know you had two kids that went to State. I'm like, yeah, I mean, great school. Don't care about their athletic programs. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to do it. What um, about that wrestling program? Uh, Undefeated yeah. in ACC play. ACC their baseball, third. Their baseball is pretty good too. Yeah, baseball is looking like it will be pretty good this year. Um, that one of the, whatever pitcher I can't remember his name. The kid that started the James Madison game had like eleven strikeouts in that game. I mean, and James Madison's not you know. Uh, they're not good, but they're not bad. Either. No, they're not bad. I mean, the yeah. they got a pretty decent baseball program, so. You know, it'll just it'll be up to Elliot Avent to figure out if he can actually go win like a big have have like a just a really big season. I mean, I like the guy. I you know he's been at state forever, but it's one of those where it's like every year it seems state either starts out really great and then mm-hmm. just goes right into the dirt, or nobody expects him to do anything. They turn out that they're really really good. And then they lose like instantly in the World College World Series in the ACC tournament. It's like those are the only two ways that a baseball season can go for NC State. And you know, I don't well, expect I will- us to ever win like a football championship anytime soon, thanks to Clemson. Yeah. And basketball, like we might get lucky one season. And I think Keats is starting to show that like 
hey, if I have my guys healthy and they're actually doing what I'm asking them to, my system can work. So there's like evidence that there's progress there. But I mean, baseball, I feel like is still one of our best chances to go do like win something that, but even then, like, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I don't know why I like it that much. But you do. I mean, it's like, I, I was going to say, like, I'm turning to like old Andre now because I'm really like, I transition out of one season into the next one. Um, except for now the XFL, I watched the game on Sunday. It was pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of love mics. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Damn autocorrect. <laughs> I that is gonna be the downfall. I would be saying something like, I didn't mean that and I can't take it back Oh yeah. No, my mom texted me this morning. She said, Did you see State Spandex Duke? And I'm like, Oh, she must have meant spanked. <laughs> <laughs> it is so yeah, it is so annoying. I gotta get better about that. But yeah, it was the XFL is actually um I know that people are giving them crap about the attendance, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. only, what, nine or eight teams? Yeah. So, um, or ten. I, it's it's a small number, right? And I enjoyed, I'm, as a football fan, I enjoy the game. So I can see myself, except for the whole Saturday thing. I don't know how I'm really down with that. Um, what are you doing on Saturday? Other stuff. Um, <laughs> like Sunday. <laughs> Like Sunday. Bounce wow right? Sunday is my day to watch sports. Like that's like the day I want to watch sports. So then just record it and watch it on Sunday. Then I won't get anything done. Like I I mean like I I get like a good Wait, wait. So if they play it live on Sunday, you can watch it. But if you have to record it and then delay and watch it later, nope. My day is over. Can't get anything yeah, done. I have, a, I have a routine. I get up, go to church, and then we have like a brunch, and that's a thing. And then it's like, all right, got some time before a game, and then you know, I play Madden or something. And then I'm shifting a lot of stuff if no, I start I watching. Mean, but, okay, but here's what I'm saying, right? This way, what you get to do is record all the games, right? And then whichever one turns out to be really good that slots in where you would normally sit down and watch it. And you can fast forward through the commercials so you get extra time to play Madden. Oh, you're a pretty smart guy, man. Well, you're I'm pretty glad smart you're guy. finally starting to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Life. All right, so here's a, here's a fun one. Let's talk about, like, um, because we're, we're two guys. We talk about Wait, predominantly guys. What? Yeah, we talk about predominantly guy stuff, right? Yeah. But I was thinking, because I know, you know, I know there are a few women that listen to our, our show, and I'm going to do something that I sh- I'm probably going to get in trouble for. Good. Let's talk about the like some relationship stuff, because I think that guys and, and women, we obviously see relationships differently. And one thing I want to like kick this off with is. I'm well. My wife does speak a different language, like literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we speak a different language. Like she'll say something to me. Case in point, a couple of years ago, she says, "Hey, I want to get a new shark with a fork cleaning thing, right?" And I'm like, well, "Whatever." She's trying to describe it to me, and so I go to Home Depot and I buy this three hundred dollar like floor thing. It cleans carpets, hardwoods. Was it the final, shark? No, it's not even a shark. It's like something else. It's like you a, bought the wrong it, thing. 
Yes. <laughs> I did. She can't Andre, carry it. Weren't you listening? <laughs> That's my point. Like, I heard what she said, but then in my mind, I'm thinking more horsepower. I went all Tim Allen on that on that joint. Great show. Um, but I think relationships are like one of those things where like it's tough to be well, it's I think guys struggle with relationships more than women, in my opinion. Um and hear me out. I'm listening. I didn't even say anything. You were I thinking did I make a face? I heard you thinking. Okay. I was I think pretty loudly. We yeah, we struggle because we don't have anything um we really we really for the most part and if you disagree with me, you know what to do. We don't have the emotional intelligence to actually hear and listen to everything women say. Like there's always something underneath it. Like we just want to get to the next thing. It's like, yeah, I I know you stubbed your toe. But next time, just wear a different shoe. Like, well, we we just want to get to the end of the of the conversation. Would you agree with that, or is it just me? I think that okay. In general, I'm going to say that I disagree, and it's because I think that men, and I mean this is very it's generalizing, but I think a lot of times what happens is as men we want we are problem solvers. In, in a lot of senses we want to we want to fix things and then I think part of that is like you know growing up in society we've been conditioned that we're the ones who are supposed to like provide and take care um, of our, of the family and so part of that is to solve the problems of the family and so in a relationship when we hear our partners like discussing a difficult situation or something that frustrated them you know, our first reaction is to provide a solution, right? Well, why don't you just do this? For a lot of women, that's not really what they're looking for, right? I think, and and there's two reasons for that. One, they want to know, I think women are perfectly capable of solving a lot of their problems on their own, right? Um, Actually, all of them. All of them. (laughs) just as just just as well as men um and so it's it can i'm sure it comes off as somewhat um not patronizing but like demeaning in a sense to be like oh well here let me solve your problem for you right like or why don't you just do this can mm-hmm. come very can come across as like well how did you not see that this is the obvious solution right and that sometimes they just want to talk about stuff and what went on and and so guys don't want to talk. So yeah. we're trying to get the things. You don't disagree with me. <laughs> you're, you're really just trying to get the next thing. There's an episode of Parks and Recreation that I feel like handled this topic very well. And it's the one where uh, Anne is pregnant and with Chris Traeger's baby. And Chris, the nicest guy on the planet, right? He wants to fix all of... Anne's problem she's got you know swollen feet and all all this all these different things and he's like oh well here's the solution here's the solution here's the solution. she doesn't want solutions she just wants to be able to complain about the fact that what she's going through is really hard you know like she just wants to be able to talk about it and 
uh, it's I think April and Tom are like the problem is or no, it's Donna and Tom are like the problem is you're trying to solve her problems. What you need to do is shut up and just say that sucks. And when he does that, okay, I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second. Uh-huh. If you, in in some point in your life, I don't know if it'll ever happen. <laughs> you can relate every freaking thing in life to like five that I know of shows in every episode. Yes, you've got to read more. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But here's the thing. Here's what I have realized about the shows that I personally identify with and that I connect with is that they're char- they're very character driven, right? So like right. King of the Hill, I know seems like a silly show to be so like incredibly obsessed about, but if you do invest the time, the characters go through incredible moments of growth and it's I don't know, like it's I know again, silly cartoon show, but it it's easy to relate to those things for me because I identify with a lot of, of the aspects of the characters. And yeah, like I grew up on television. Like I'm not going to lie. I loved television as a kid. I still love television. Um, my mom would constantly have to come back and tell me to turn off the TV. Why they put a TV in my bedroom in the first place is beyond me with cable. No less like yeah. not just like crappy antenna, but full cable and so like i would sit there until 12 1 2 o'clock in the morning with the tv i'm watching i love love tv too bro and i'm not knocking i'm just saying like i'm just really impressed with your ability to relate most life problems to a television show it's amazing that's what i think is like the tv shows that i relate them to a lot of the times are tell the stories about characters lives and that's why like that that's why i find it so easy to relate to them and then to be able to equate things in life to specific episodes and then draw knowledge from those episodes and live my life like a TV show. That's my goal. <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so two goals in life. Uh, I want to be the smartest person ever yeah. by learning something from everybody else that I meet. And I want to live my life like a TV show. There you go. Yep. Okay. But <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. And, with what you're saying we're saying the same thing like we really like guys want to get to the next like i listen to like i have learned to listen more and talk less um because the problem i mean you're not wrong like for guys a lot of times we are i think we do just want to move on to the next thing but that i think a lot of the times comes across as us not caring right and it's not that we don't care it's that and i'm not gonna lie there are times where you you kind of reach the point where it's like, I can't, I don't feel like, and I, I mean, it happens, it happens with Helena, like my daughter all the time because she's six and 90% of what she's telling him about has no consequence on the rest of the real world. And so like after 15 minutes of hearing about 3d Mario on YouTube, I'm like, I kid, I've literally reached capacity for what I can handle from this conversation right now. <laughs> so, but don't you think the, the key there, that ingredient is like honesty? Like, and I think I, you know, I really harp on that with people. It's like, no, just be honest. Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Tell me what it is you want to say. Let's like, because I, I respect the fact that sometimes I need to listen more. And I, I think I do a pretty good job of listening. But I don't have the tolerance. I, I really don't tolerate people not being honest with me. If, and I guess I understand, but okay. Could you, would, 
could you give me an example of the way that you would be honest? Because <laughs> I've seen you be honest in a lot of different ways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm just saying the the packaging a lot of the times can impact the, the way that the person receives the gift that you're giving. <laughs> Yes, that is a true statement. But I, 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 so it's twofold. One, the listening thing is separate, right? But then there's the times where, like the the example with your daughter. At some point, I would be like, you know what? Hey, babe, that's great. It's well, I would I would say it's really not important to me right now because of whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> I, know that, I mean, that's I know pretty that. much exactly what I say to her. I'm like. Sweetheart, I'm glad that you're really excited about this. I'm going to be honest. I couldn't care less. This has yeah, no I mean, impact on me whatsoever, what you're telling me. Like, I understand you want to tell somebody, so I and I appreciate you filling me in for the last 15 minutes. But if, I mean, I, I yeah, I would. <sighs> and then you were, you actually make that. So for me, it's like there are times where I'm not interested. And I just tell people, like, you know, that's, that's great. I, I have this struggle with my kids all the time. They'll tell me something like, yeah, I, I really, that's, that's not for me. But I, since I know that's something important to them, I will also, you know, kind of circle back around at some point, like, hey, tell me a little bit more about, you know, last time we talked about whatever. You mentioned this. Where, how's that going for you? So, well, and, but why, why, is it, why do you bring it back up if it wasn't important enough to talk about in the first place? In but, so as far as like, if you're going to give me your dissertation on why I should be okay with something I'm really not in, invested in, doesn't mean it's not. All right. So I use the word like not, I use that phrase a lot. This means that it's not registering where like, I really want to be, I'm not going to invest that much energy. But doesn't mean that it, since it's not important to you, I don't want to talk about it. Right. So maybe it's kind of like you circle back around like, Hey, you know, Chris, you told me all about, uh, Blah, I don't know. And, wow. All right. Thanks, Andre. <laughs> Can't even remember what we talked about last time. <laughs> I mean, but you, you know what I mean, right? Something where it's like, yeah, I'm just like Venture Brothers. That would be a good example. I can say, well, yeah, I'm not really interested in that, but I heard that they, they're going to, you know, they, they just extended their season. Now, you know, then you can tell me about their process of how they do one or two episodes or so however they do that random show does it mean that i don't care about what's important to you this means like in its place it's like yeah i don't really well this isn't information care. that you're going to work to retain ultimately right. like you're not like this is really important stuff that i got to remember and i i get that but i think also like i don't know i it's fun sometimes to see. I like, I don't know. I enjoy when other people are excited about things. And yeah, maybe like I don't understand or directly relate, but I think also in like when you're in a committed relationship, like part of that commitment is to allow the other person to be excited about stuff that you're not interested in with you and at least be there to say, hey, like I don't understand anything of what's going on, but. I'm really happy for you or like really excited. And same thing when, when it's the opposite, you know, that they're not necessarily like excited about something, but something's going wrong. Like I, I just think in life, 
There are times when people need different things. There are times when I just want to be able to talk about something and not necessarily get advice because I just need to like to get it out of my own head and have somebody to kind of like bounce it off of without necessarily getting like, well, this is what you should do. And then there are times when I'm specifically looking for like, I don't know what to do. Please. Could could you, could you provide guidance here? So Chris, that's a level. Here's my point. It's a level of honesty, right? So there are times where I've said to you, Hey, I'm just venting right now. Yeah. Right. means, Hey, I probably have some solution. I probably know how to handle this, but I'm just venting. It's okay. And there are times where I'm like, dude, I really don't have this figured out. And I think that that part of it, and I do this with my wife, for example, um, in relationships for me, like I'm really experienced. I have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> no, actually, I don't. I figure it out every day. Um, for, a good example is my wife can tell me about her day at work all day long. And I can relate to it. I don't, I'm not trying to solve anything. I can relate to it because I've once led teams. I've once been the boss and all this other good stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's interesting. I don't provide solutions. I just listen to it, right? But, and we actually had this conversation recently. When I talked to her about writing code, I've lost her. Like, probably the first two sentences. She's like, yeah, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. So I... I have to, and we, the solution we came up with was, okay, so when that happens, because I want to share things with you, and because it's important to me, and I, I recognize that I can relate to what she was talking about, and it wasn't, you know, wasn't being reciprocated, and I was like, all right, well, let's, let's kind of figure this out. And the solution we came up with is, okay, so maybe I can work on, like, you know, showing and explaining a little bit more and not trying to get so technical about it because I want to share it with her because it's important for me too. Just having to figure out, you know, being honest and saying, yeah, for me, because most people don't want to actually approach the gap there, but I was just like, hey, so how do we fix this? Because I want to share things with you and it feels like we don't talk about this particular thing. What do we do different? And then working through that together. So I, I think we're we're both seeing a lot of the same things. Yeah. I, and I th- but I do think guys, like especially when it comes to being able to acknowledge it, I see a gap in how we're communicating. Like guys typically don't do that. Like no, it has because to, guy, I think most guys <laughs> feel like no news is good news. You yeah. know, like if if I don't hear that things are going bad, then things must be going really good. Um, really and good. there is a. I think to some degree that like, there's an inherent fear that if we try to, you know, like you don't, it's a couple of things. One, I think you don't want to go into a conversation and be like, Hey, so everything's cool. Right. Or like, are you upset? Because if you're, if you don't know and she knows, then that's, yeah. Uh, you're up shit's Creek without a paddle, my friend. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, trust me, navigating relationships is not easy, you know? And I think, Especially when means. what's that? It's super easy. Barely an barely inconvenience. an inconvenience. Yeah, I think it. I mean, and you, you know, you have experience with this, but I think it, it it is also very difficult when you're in a blended family situation. You know, where you're you have different families coming together. Um under one roof like it can it can be very difficult i think to navigate 
parts of that. And then there are obviously people outside of that specific relationship that have influence over kind of what happens. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, that's something that I've been dealing with more recently. Um, and it's, it can be really tricky because there has to be, I think you're right. There has to be a lot of open and honest communication between all parties that, you know, Hey, this is what's happening. This is the plan, you know, and I, and I struggle with that sometimes because it's easy for me to fall into the, well, this is like, this is what's in front of me. This is what I deal with on a daily basis. And I'm, I forget that there's another person that needs to be involved in this sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that that makes it more difficult in terms of the, that like communication? Have <laughs> any think, tips and tricks for now? <laughs> yeah. Here, here's for those my, of us navigating these uh, treacherous waters. It, it hurts more if it all falls apart, basically. Right. So, I look at it that way. If this conversation is, you know, you're you're always going to have good and bad conversations. You can't take them personal because somebody is willing to tell you something because they care about you. If they don't care about you, they're not going to tell you. So for me, I find it easier to understand that it's going to hurt more if it falls apart and I wasn't willing to be a little bit courageous and ask the question or have the conversation. And I have a lot of disclaimers. I actually say to people, hey, I may not say this the right way, but I don't have another way to say it, so just hear me out. And you've heard that famous one, because I, I struggle sometimes with trying to be sensitive uh, or what people perceive as sensitive. I you know, It's like, hey, I, I don't have another way to say this, and hopefully there's enough of a relationship there where people don't take my, my statements as personal attacks or... Me, I care. If I didn't care, I'd be like, man, whatever. We're, we're going to move on. And, it's, and then I just don't say anything about it. So I would say that, yeah, my tip and what I believe is, like, just, it's going to hurt more if it falls apart. Like, then what do you do? You have all these things left unsaid, and now you're there, you know, picking up the pieces and trying to fix things that could have been fixed before. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that, I think one of the really important things is to remember that a relationship is not is not a uh, a Ron Papil, you know, yeah. roaster or dehydrator. You can't set it and forget it. Like it's yeah. it's a constant it's work, you know, just like a family, right? Having a family is work. Um it's and it's not that you don't it's not that you have to enjoy every moment of it. Right. There are going to be times that you don't enjoy, but ultimately, if it should it should be worth it. Right. Like in the end, it should be worth all of the work that goes into it. And I think I mean, that's true of just about anything in life. I think even your job. Right. Don't 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 dump a bunch of time and effort into something that isn't worth it. Go find something yeah, that is there's worth something it. I read in uh, the seven habits of highly effective people that said a lot of people spend a lot of time, effort, and energy climbing a ladder, but it's leaned against the wrong wall. And people have got to figure out, you know, I, I'm a, I firmly believe that you have to have the right principles in your life. You have to value things that are gonna, you know, that are beneficial for yourself and the people you care about. And you've got to stick to your guns. And you're right, relationships are hard. But I think of all, although there are different types of relationships. 
goes back to what I believe. You can't be two different people. I treat my friends the same way as I treat everybody else. I mean, I treat all my friends the same way. And there are some times that you just have to be honest with them and say, hey, I didn't like when you said this, or I didn't like, or I loved it when you know, acknowledge good things too. It's not always about the bad things. Yeah. Um, and I'm not very, you know, I'm not a very sensitive person, but I, since I'm aware of that, I can acknowledge that I have to make more of an effort to like take action on the things that are both good and bad with the people I care about. Um, and it's without, it's not easy, but I, like if, if one of my friends is doing something stupid or my family and I treat them all the same, if I'm being honest, if you're doing something stupid, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm not going to watch you just fail and whatever. Um, and it's, but it is hard. I can vouch with, for that by the way. But I, you know, I think with the relationships, it, it's one of, I think guys struggle with it, not because they want to, it's because it's, it's not convenient and it's not a bad thing. It's just that relationships are not, and I can, I've been on both sides of that spectrum. So I, I say that open heartedly, like, yeah, sometimes it's just not convenient to you know, say this to your, your wife or partner or whatever, the, whatever PC term we're using today. Um, sometimes it's. Gosh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I, mean, I I admit it's like sometimes it's not convenient, and uh, I try to you know, practice and live what I believe. And my wife is like, you know, there's times where I don't want to talk to her, and that's perfectly okay. But when it's time to, you know, it's not about everything, but it's there are times where I have to, one of us has to take initiative to address whatever the issue is, and like I just believe it's a lot harder to fix it than to maintain it. It's two times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to retain right. an existing one. So same thing with relationships. It's going to cost you twice as much because you know this one's going to take half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, By the way, uh, that that uh, stat came from an episode of The Office when Ryan almost burns down there. There we go. That's my guy right there. But I, but I think um, what was I going to say? Because the office showed up. Um, but when people look at relationships, like in, in in their own individual silos, like my work relationships are different from my personal relationships, and vice versa. Right. You're not going to get very far. Like it's just not. You can't maintain that level of just of a balance, you know, and. No, I mean it's I exhausting. Was, ultimately, yeah, like I think it was twenty four, twenty five, and I realized that. Like I, I struggled with just realizing, yeah, why am I being two different people? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's just like any it, trying to live multiple personalities or multiple lives. You know, is uh, like what's the point? You know, who who are you doing that for? Are you doing it for them? Are you doing it for yourself? Like. You know, if you find that you have to be this completely different person when you're at work, either the person you are at home isn't maybe the person you ought to be or the person you are, what you're doing for work isn't what you should be doing. Right. You know, right. Or you just need to grow the <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a little bit of truth for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Gen Z. Whatever you little anti-post oh, millennials, whatever. Unfortunately, my generation is the one that 
has like either. Oh, we know it's all your fault. It's It's... sad, dude. Like I really like I hate to when I realized that I was like, yeah, this is so lame. It's time for politics. Wait again? Well, I mean, not to you know to bring it back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, but it's like you look at all of the people that are out here supporting Bernie Sanders, and then it just begs the question: like, well, where are you when it comes time to vote? Like, are these people who are just excited about being part of this crowd and who want a Bernie bumper sticker so that when people drive by, they honk and say, "Yeah, go Bernie." But ultimately aren't so invested in the message and what he's trying to accomplish that they aren't willing to register and go vote. Like how freaking lazy do you have to be as a person? So, but wouldn't you agree with, um, I mean, my generation was the individual generation, right? Um, It was like the, I'm going to do something that separates me from the group. Not at all times was that good, but it was about individuality. Then the whole hive group, like, you know, abuse of the word community generation came about. High and, tide raises all ships sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what happens at low tide, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know where that, I, I don't, yes, we have to live with other people, but if we all think the same we can all believe some of the same things. That's that's okay. But if we all have to think the same just to be a part of this group. How far is your group going to get? Well, like, that yeah. That's not the point, right? It's not that everybody needs to think the same. It's just that I, I think you're right. There are some core beliefs, right, that ex- sh- exist with within kind of everybody within society. And if you're going to be an active member of society, like you kind of have to just go along with that, or or at least those have to be part of your core beliefs. Um, beyond that, the way that we go about achieving those things, I think, is often up for debate, right? Or should kind of always be up for debate. Um, and so I, you know, like I, you know, you and I, right? Are, <laughs> You were previously a registered Republican. I am still currently a registered Democrat, um, just because I like to make them think that I'm going to vote that way. But, um, you know, I've never taken your approach to things and thought, wow, like, that's a really fucked up way of looking at that. Like, we've always, I think, been seen the merit in each other's opinions and ideas because we're not, I mean, A, we're not extremists right <laughs> on on either side um and i think that's where you know, we've talked about before that's where a lot of people fall it's not i think most people are a lot closer to, to you and i in their political and, and social beliefs than what we see on tv and what we see from the rhetoric from a lot of the politicians and i guess to some degree that's why i've you know at least for somebody who is not who doesn't feel like Trump is the right president for us and is doing things in the right way. I, I, that's where I get kind of excited about a guy like Mike Bloomberg, because I feel like he is, as we've discussed, kind of that anti-establishment, but with a little bit more polish on him, I think, (laughs) you know, cause like Bernie is very anti-establishment, but he can't comb his hair before he goes out on stage. (laughs) Because he doesn't own a comb, because combs are bad for the environment. 
Um, and only the one percenters have combs. Yeah. Because <laughs> he rode his bike there. It was the only way he could get there was to ride his bike. Yeah, like, you know, him and his entire Secret Service staff have, like, a 15-person tandem bike that they ride together <laughs> while the rest of them jog next to him. <laughs> I want combs for everybody. I will not use a comb until... Oh, but I went to this, uh, and I was uh, in a training session some years ago, and one of the, the key takeaways I took from the and I, I remember it to this day was we're talking about the differences between cultures, and um, the, the guy that was the instructor or the lecturer was actually in the, involved in the civil rights movement in Greensboro, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And he asked this very interesting question about, okay, how many people in the audience have um, had their lights cut off? And all the, the African-Americans raised their hand. And then he asked some more common phrases like, how many, he said, I'm going to start this phrase and then I want you to finish it out. Think, uh, plan, what is it, think to plan or plan something or, or, fit, or plan to fail. Obviously like, it stuck really all, well. Yeah, it, yeah, that part. <laughs> Ironically, well, all the white people raise their hand, right? He says, so there are things in our culture that are separate. Mm-hmm. But if you can take those experiences and see how they translate into your current life, an example being, so when an African-American is down in sales, they're probably not freaking out because they're used to things not you know, being that consistent all the time. But Caucasians will freak out in business. We're down in sales. What are we going to do? Let's discount everything blah 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 while the african-american is like yo it's totally going to be okay bro <laughs> like it's not the end of the world <laughs> like bad things happen and you're not going to hit the ball all the time but i say that to say this if you can if you can understand that we all bring different things to the table we all have different perspectives and we we should be level setting each other in our with our experiences we get a lot further but if it's always like you know, you, I don't know, if you cluster everything into these extreme groups, which is what, what's kind of happening now, you get this hodgepodge of you know, divisiveness and, and just, I'm not right unless I agree with Bernie or you're wrong if you agree with Mike Bloomberg. At yeah. the end of the day, it's, it's not going to help you. It's just not going to help you. I mean, we, we, we are different. We do see things differently as cultures. We do see things differently as you know, our, our socioeconomic status growing up, you know, like if I would have stayed in New York all my life, I would be a completely different person than I am today. But my, my mom moved us out of New York and she, you know, we've moved, I lived in Europe. I've, li- I've had an opportunity to see things outside of like my neighborhood. And I firmly believe where you're from doesn't determine where you're going. So if you, even if you don't get those experiences, you can't shut everybody else out because they don't necessarily agree with what you're what you're saying. Maybe so, they can bring to the conversation. Here's a crazy question for you, um, and this is something that I've kind of been tossing around in the back of my head for the last few weeks. Because you had said something on one of the podcasts, I think, about you know that the political power and a lot of the decisions and influences comes from the high population areas, which tend to come on the extremes of the coast, right? So we have the East Coast up north and kind of all the way down, and then same thing on the West Coast, right? Right. 
we are a very, very large country with a very diverse population. And the experience of people in different areas in this country are completely different, right, from one section to the next. Are we at a point where it would make more sense to split the country up into... I mean, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I mean, because I, it's That's what I insane. I'm not looking at it from the perspective of like, well, these people aren't doing well, so fuck them, and we're just gonna say you're not part of our country anymore, so we don't have to deal with you. But I just wonder if it would provide, I don't know, a better opportunity for proper representation you know or i mean but at the same time i feel like that's what the whole point of the way that our government is structured and yet if that's the case why is it that all of these policies and influence and everything comes from the coast right does that mean that that's just the structure of the government and the way that the representation is configured that needs to be adjusted you know like no i i think that i mean the the issue is for me or i think the issue is we, we're working in a capitalist society where the economy is not really... So I'm going to give Bernie Sanders a... Yes, I agree with that statement. And I don't think it's that everybody's going to be rich. I just think that there's so... The, the middle class is shrinking and more poor people are coming about. What, so do, what do we yeah. even define the middle class as, though? Because according to some people, so it's it's, it's a household income of almost half a million dollars. No, it's actually sixty thousand dollars. So you take the average median income across the country, which is like fifty five or something like that. So let's say between 50, and if you're making more than fifty five thousand, fifty five or up, you're probably middle class. Okay. Right. Um, and I, I yeah, I've heard that argument. It's just stupid. That's yeah. the upper middle class. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't know where you're. So the middle class is shrinking. People are, you know. But can I, could, just for one second, though, I mean, like, someone who's making $55,000 a year is not comparable to somebody that's making half a million dollars a year. There's 10 how times. Many, how many people are making half a million dollars a year? I, I'm, but I'm just saying that those, that's not the same class. You can't, I, 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 I and I'm not saying that this is you necessary, but I'm just saying that from a logistics standpoint, those life experiences are two completely different things. Like at $55,000 a year in North Carolina, you might like, you can probably afford an apartment or a, you know, a small house with a mortgage and to keep your lights on. Like you're not, you're not raking in dough. You're not driving a fucking Porsche. Like if I'm making half a million dollars a year, I'm living in, you know, Preston country club in a multimillion dollar home with three cars so, and, you know, six for my more kids. relatable then. So let's make it more relatable. Then. So the average income in Wake County is um, $70,000. Okay. Right? Um, then you have an, the next tier is like 125. So it goes from like 7580 to like one six figures pretty quickly in yeah. this area. Okay? If you – and the 500000 is upper middle class. So you have like the tiers, right? So you, once you get the six figures, you're like at the – Eh, strong middle class family, but the if you look at our area at fifty five thousand dollars a year, you can have a pretty nice life, right? Yeah. So the it's not it's not about the quantity of what people make. It's like whether that's a teacher who's making fifty five thousand dollars a year, or then we start looking at the you know how we as a society put certain fields 
whether it's because of demand or whatever, you know, stature mm -hmm. at a higher, like we look at those people on the pedestal. Yeah. It's irrelevant. If you can afford to like middle class in, in the general sense of the term, and again, not an economist, but just the way I look at it, are people that afford can afford to have or a community that can afford to have decent schools, lower crime rates, um, and live in a town where there's, you don't have to travel outside of your town to buy goods and services, right? So in a, in a general sense of the term, it's people that fit in that category. Forget the, forget their salary. That's irrelevant. Most people, most of those, those communities are struggling or failing, especially in the Midwest because of whatever's, you know, coal or whatever that may be. It could be because of farming. Right. The so sources, the source of jobs is not what it used to be. Right. So when you start going after this whole, well, I think the 1% should do, that's irrelevant. It really is. I mean, it doesn't make any, it's not solving the problem. The basic needs of a, of a middle class should mean that schools are good. People can buy goods and services in their town. And, you know, it's not that complicated. But that class is shrinking. You're having a lot of banks clo closing up shop, hospitals closing up shop. We are increasing the amount of poor people, like almost as much as like anything else that's going wrong in the country. Well, but I guess I, I'm a little so, confused. Maybe how maybe do you, how do you solve? Yeah, you that's solve? that's. I mean, because I I feel like to some degree, and maybe I misinterpreted or misunderstood what you said, but you said it's like it's not that hard. <laughs> it isn't. It, well, it, it really isn't that hard. I mean, I think I do believe that when you look at the farming industry itself, right? Mm -hmm. You talk about the impact that they have on the environment. Well, and the fact that the U.S. government is subsidizing it's huge subsidized. portions of it for whatever right. reason, like. So how do you solve that? Like, you know, when uh, President Obama and that administration was talking about clean, renewable energy, mm -hmm. far-fetched, possibly, you know, we, we probably get people to work on infrastructure. We probably reduce the amount. Of, we we could probably subsidize those same farms by repurposing that land partially for, you know, reconstructing the environment and secondly for solar winds and blah, 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 right? There are things that we can do where it's not that complicated. So in the investment it would take to build these things and to repurpose that land, yeah, you, you actually boost the economy. Um, it's kind of another supporting fact I almost forgot about. When we, whenever we look at the economy and as a whole as a nation, one indicator they use is the amount of new homes built and sold, right? Mm -hmm. It's one. It's one of those industries that actually is. A, it supports the the community aspect of the middle class or the class system. And you look at the average price of those homes. Well, there's something interesting that's happening over the last three years. Is the number of new homes sold and bought is decreasing. It's actually getting close to flatline. Uh, resale homes are probably the. They're definitely higher than new homes built. So we're having problems with having people in the. The purchase price of these homes is skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. It tells you very easily that once you start pricing more people out of buying a home, whether new or uh, existing, that you're killing your economy. And we there's a lot of things that we can do that aren't that complicated to restructure what that looks like for most Americans. When it gets to like heavy urban areas, areas that gets kind of complicated, but it can be done. But I do think as a whole, separating the country doesn't do anything because most states don't make enough money 
in tax revenue to support themselves. They don't have high enough populations. So then all we're doing is we're, we're cutting off our nose and spider face. So I do think that as a federal system, we should support those states and, you know, to make sure everything's even and we probably do some reinvestment in the right infrastructure things to help. So that boosts those economies. So let's say, for example, I live in, uh, I'm going to get really bad at geography here, but let's say I'm in like the Midwest and I can now take a rail from my small town in Kansas to one that's in the neighboring state for uh, term jobs where it's like I'm, I'm out of town for a week, but I get home as opposed to driving 18 hours or 20 hours to do the same thing. There, there are a lot of creative things we could do that we ch we've chosen not to do. I mean, public transportation uh, in general, like outside of major metropolitan areas, and even there, for the public trans transportation in a number of cases is less than stellar or reliable, would be, I mean, a huge boost. And you look at the amount of time and effort and money that's been spent on things that ultimately don't really pay off i mean not that i think we shouldn't invest in our military but the amount of money spent on military things that never even end up doing any good or really providing any ultimate like benefit to us that could have been invested in infrastructure here within the united states or to rebuild schools or like those sorts of things in those areas i mean i know it's been a sensitive subject in the past but this border wall like all the money for that, that concrete should be going into bridges and roads that are falling apart and crumbling around us. Like, and I, you know, I, I have a I have minimal experience with my travel to Asia, and but I mean China, very communist country, right? Very communist, <laughs> as communist as you can get. Um, the people that live there don't feel like they're deprived of anything you know what i mean like they come to the united states they see what we have and they don't go back and go like oh my god it must be so nice to live in the u.s like and i'm not saying that that it's i but those are, those are two different things you're talking about a, a, a developed nation that have it's a developed nation they still have it so that's where they're not the same it's you let's say compare that to communist cuba right then you'd have a different conversation. Sure. No, but what I'm saying yeah. is that the government in China, regardless of the fact that it's communist, has invested in the infrastructure within its own okay. its own borders to create right. those. I mean, in the fact that they will put up a hospital in six months, it would take six years to build a hospital here in the United States. I yeah, I don't disagree, but I think at the same time. Um, one thing that we fail to do in this country is, and I only have a few good examples of states that try to get it right, Tennessee being one of them, they they actually figure out a way to you know provide a lot of the things their state needs, and they don't depend on so much federal money. Right. So I, I and, and I kind of I'm on the fence about like, well, I, the federal tax code is BS. That's a whole other story, but. I, I'm confused, and I'm, and I'm on the fence about the involvement of federal agencies with state issues. And I, you know, I don't have enough insight on where that line should be, but I can tell you it's definitely blurred now. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it that the Midwest needs so much subsidies and farms, as opposed to 
and I, I get they don't have the, the the environment for some you know, like they don't have ports obviously right right but there, there's got to be things that as a country we can figure out to drive those economies in different ways yeah. what is the governor doing what is the state legislator doing in those in those states ultimately so, there's no reason that those states couldn't become massive tech centers just like right. RTP like you know Silicon Valley if the right sort of government assistance and incentives are put in place to essentially say, right. hey, we're going to provide, and again, it comes down to infrastructure in most of those places, right? Like you look at West Virginia yeah. and those, you, if you provided the right level of assistance for infrastructure and partnered with businesses to say, look, yes, we're going to need you to invest X amount, but as part of that, we've already done this work to provide, you know, like a, an incredibly strong electrical and, and uh, you know, like internet data communication structure, infrastructure for you. Um, you know, we've rebuilt the roads, we've expanded, and there's a population here that we are actively working to retrain and to reeducate so that they are, you have a workforce that is here. And that's, that's what's happening in the Midwest and, and in all these other areas where you have companies that aren't, you know, farming based, but they get bought right. by somebody else. So they pull the headquarters out of this place. And it's literally the only reason that town exists. So now you have all yeah. these people who just got laid off. They have brand new hotels that they're building, restaurants like basically the whole town is going to go bankrupt because the company that was headquarters there got bought and the company that came in and bought them is moving the headquarters. So, I mean, and again, that's, that's, that's where I always feel like it comes back to you have an obligation as an as a company to the community that supports you. And that kind of stuff just really frustrates me. And I understand that they aren't the ones who necessarily built there. But when you acquire an organization like that, that's something that you need to understand and realize that that's a commitment you're not just pulling out of. I, I saw a, um, a documentary a while ago about a furniture company. And I want to say it's in Virginia. No, it's actually in, it's in Tennessee or West Virginia, um, and they refused to. Um, oh, it's about the uh, IKEA baby dressers killing kids, and they're talking about like how furniture has gotten cheaper over the years and with mass production. And this this company refused to move or sell because he didn't want to put like 150 of his employees out of business. Yeah. People that have worked there for generations, and. And I, I think that at the heart of a lot of our issues is that it goes back to social responsibility. You have an obligation to see that through. Yep. Now, on the contrast to that is something Bernie Sanders said last night. I think that every company should give 25% ownership to the employees. And I was like, whoa, what? No, right. that's ridiculous. But I do think that they should have responsibility to pay their employees fairly to make sure that the things they're doing are going to be longstanding to continue to be a part of the communities that they, they are in. There's nothing worse than driving through a, a city and seeing abandoned warehouses and factories. Yeah. It, just, it makes me just sick. So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just don't – separating the country – we we're technically already individual countries. Right. And the way that we have the states' rights and everything. And that's, I mean, that was part of what I thought as well, you know, is that, like, ultimately, you know, does it boil down to, like, that's, and that's where I think, you know, maybe it's just that 
because like you said, right, there's a lot of federal involvement in states issues these days. And I think that line has gotten a lot more blurred. Um, but I, I just wonder if, if there, I mean, there, there's, I think we need to back that up some, but there still needs to be some general oversight. I, again, I think in my mind, the federal government kind of provides like, Hey, here's the base rules that as a society, we all agree we're going to, you know, live by. And then the states have the ability to then impose their own, you know, like limitations and stuff above that. If that group of people so decides that that's what they want. So I think that I think that the the root of the issue is the fact that we have representatives that we send off to Washington and they can be bought, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, the money in politics is always, you know, like if we can't get rid of that, the rest of this isn't ultimately going to matter much. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think that where I'm not, yeah, I'm not a, um, a constitutional lawyer, but I think that some of the disparity is, or this, or the separation is between federal and like oversight, and is it really needed, right? I mean, when you think about it, should we have to regulate drug companies, or, and I, I see in that a perfect not, world, no, right? But right. unfortunately, we live in a society and in a world where people put in those positions of power do take advantage and and won't won't own up to the responsibility, the obligation of responsibility that they undertook when, you know, if you go into producing pharmaceuticals, there's an understanding that you are going to produce things in a, in a manner that is best for society. You're not going to, you're not going to get 50 million people hooked on opioids just so that you can make a profit. Like, you know, but when you're buying off doctors for them to prescribe your medication over something else, like, yeah, that's a freaking problem. I mean, and, and again, right. That's, that's where I think a lot of people struggle with living in a capitalist society. I think there are tons and tons of benefits, but we see a lot of the the cons in full view right now because of the the influence that it's having. That money, which is unfortunate, you know, not unfortunately, but which is ultimately the center around capitalism, right? It's about the the money and the exchange of goods for other goods Service. or something of equal well, value. I'm, I'm confused though. Like if you look at China, they, they, they've actually grown a lot of millionaires over the last like 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right. The, it's not that, and they're, they're arguably becoming more capitalistic. Like, so if they're I'm not, economy, I'm, so I'm not saying that capitalism is bad again, like, but I'm no, just saying I'm, that it, there, there's gotta be Chris, there's gotta be a separation. Yeah. The economy being capitalists, is not bad. Right. The issue that we have is, is the that, government is also capitalist. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I agree. So I, but my point being is like capitalism is not the the bad guy here. No. I, I think I think it's very short sighted for people to say capitalism is the bad guy. And to be it's clear, well, my comment about China earlier was not to say that communism is better than I'm, capitalism. Yeah. Just, just I, uh, not so much to clarify to you, but to all of the federal agents that are listening. <laughs> I'm not a communist. I just work for a company based out of China. Um, but no, I mean, exactly. Yeah, like but, my point was more that regardless of the structure of government, there the ability to prosper exists all over the place in our, in, in the economy right. in the in the world right now. I think so. So the the I think the you know I I don't have to solve. But I do think that some of the, the very obvious first steps are not being taken. Yeah. 
if we keep electing the same people over and over and over again, and we can, what would happen if Americans didn't elect the same senators or representatives? What would happen? Or you know, what what would happen? Like if there was a whole new class of of people that represented us in Washington, what would happen? Would it be so terrible? And then could those same people get, could they get reelected, right? If you, so again, another point, Bernie's not wrong in that aspect, but the establishment is so established <laughs> that, and people's behaviors are so, I mean, they're caught up with, you know, I don't know what they're caught up. It's just not the right things. No, I mean, we, I think yeah. we've, we've become very distracted, you know, as yeah. a society. Um, we've allowed a lot of noise to creep in to what's going on. And I think, you know, the way that we receive and process news is heavily influenced by, you know, the source these days. I don't, I don't even think that's true, Chris. I mean, I've watched, I've been watching way too many documentaries. I got like going <laughs> to die to that. But a lot of the same, nothing has changed in our behaviors over the last 200 years when it comes to elections. Nothing. The, the biggest problem we have is that we literally, I'm going to say this with like just a, a general statement. The two-party system has proven to fail us, basically. Yeah. And we've, we've allowed two establishments to get such a stronghold on what we, you know, how we execute on politics that we can't see the forest for the trees. And so what I would propose is that, okay, that's true. But what if we were able to find candidates, people that were actually willing to go and serve their community, be a voice for their community at these different levels, locally, statewide, and nationally, that actually were going to do their job? And But don't you think that to some degree that's what a lot of people think they're doing every single year? That, no, that I don't. You don't? You don't think that – I mean, you don't think that's what people did four years ago when they voted for Trump? That this is a guy that is nope. the anti-establishment who's going to come in and do something and change and shake it up, and then it turns out he's just doing the exact same crap that everybody else has been doing? But that's just the president. What about – I mean, how many local elections have changed? How many statewide elections have changed, right? But that's. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you at, at that, but I just think – I just think there's a lot more people out there that – every single year think that their candidate is the one that is the right one right that's that's where that's okay. where a lot of the bernie so bros give, have been for the last eight years right it's like I'll, I'll it give, doesn't I'll matter what anybody else is bernie's the only person that's going to win this election bernie's the only one who has the answers that's the way that those guys think and i i'm with you in that that's the wrong way to approach it right like <laughs> it can't be okay, all okay, or nothing for that one guy I'll give you that, but I think that, all right, so my revolution is different. My revolution is, you know, if your mayor sucks, they better not be in office next term. Or get them out of office now. Figure out a way to do that. There's got to be ways to do that. Yeah. Hey, if, if your state representative sucks, they better not be there next. They, why is Tom Tillis still a name? Why, you know, I could probably go down. Why is Phil Berger up, still in, off, in office? Yeah. Like, I mean, but that's because so my, he's deeply entrenched in that party right like he's in the well, state he's one of the most quote-unquote powerful politicians in that party doesn't bernie and trump don't they prove a point that people can and will elect people that are they they will support and possibly elect people that share their same beliefs they they, they both prove that 
The problem is that we stop with those like one or two or three or four, and then that's it. That doesn't change the system. I I I agree, but I think ultimately it it comes back to education that people don't spend enough time educating themselves on what those politicians are doing, and instead buy into the rhetoric that they hear or the flyers that they receive in the mail or the fact that they happen to belong to the one political party that their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents' parents have voted for since they were, you know, Americans that founded this country and drove off the Native Americans that were stealing (laughs) our land. It's sorry. I know I'm getting kind of down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but don't. I mean, I I think that I okay. I still don't believe we should separate the country. The country. I think that we have to, you know, maybe we get another president or another leader that inspires people to, um, to do something different. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that President Obama wasn't a, a person like that. He was. JFK was. Uh, Clinton was not. Um, no, I mean uh, Obama was, but ultimately, I think, I think part of what happened is that Obama inspired a lot of change, and then was not able to follow through on the change that he promised. Right, and right. so what? Where that left a lot of people that got on board that Obama train was feeling really deflated after eight years. Like we, we did what we said we were going to do. We got a you know black president for eight years, and we got Obamacare and it's already been decimated by the very next president that came in, you know? And I think for a lot of people, that's, that was probably a breaking point for them in, in politics where it's like, well, if, if he couldn't do it right, then no one can. And I'm not, again, that's not the right attitude to take, but I think for some people that's unfortunately the position that they ended up in. And then with the whole, you know, cause some of those people I think were on board with Bernie going into the next election feeling like all right obama was the first step right he's kind of that transition now we can put bernie in there and he's going to be the one that's going to drive home all of these promises because he's even you know further out there and he's got crazier (laughs) ideas and then when the dnc was like well we know you guys really want bernie but we really want hillary and hillary really wants it and so we're going to put her up there and then that that's where it all started to fall apart and so this election, I think, for the Democrats is going to be really interesting to see ultimately what's the result, right? Do they get Bernie? Do the Bernie bros get Bernie, which I don't think they're ultimately going to. If And then if they don't, do they look at a Mike Bloomberg as that's not my guy, I won't vote for him, right? And then do you get some third-party person coming in stealing 10 15% of the Democratic votes and we get four more years of Trump? You know, but you know what this, the really weird part is? Bernie, I mean, uh, my, I think Mike Bloomberg could not get the nomination and still be third party. Oh, and he I could. Think he's just, I think he's just, I, I personally believe it's not about policy. It's not about anything technical. I think he could beat Donald Trump. Yes. And, and I think he's probably one of the most right-leaning Democrats up there, right? He is so much closer to the middle than any of the rest of them that I think he can appeal to a good chunk of that moderate to conservative base and that would say, hey, look, I'm not happy with the rhetoric or the actions that are happening right now in the White House, and I feel like this guy might be able to come in and do a lot of the same things, but do it in a way that's actually more productive and less divisive. Right. But. And I think that when you know, when it all boils down to it, and I know that Democrats are probably like, no, but he's buying the election. 
No, he's not. He's not doing anything different than anybody else. No. He's I, spending he his own money as opposed yeah. to spending other people's money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I'm like, it's like, yo, he said something last night that just made me chuckle. They were talking about, you know, how much money he pays in taxes. And, you know, Bernie Sanders said something to him. He goes, but you write the tax code. <laughs> I was like, that is so true. Nobody talks about the fact that we have all these senators and, and people talking about the they talk about the rich. Mm-hmm. They're making money somehow or another, and they write the tax codes. Yep. Like, if I'm being honest, it's like, so do something yeah. about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if and you're but, if you're gonna complain about it that much, and you're you're the guy that's actually in a position to do something about it, why on earth you haven't do? you done something about it? Yeah. Like I mean, so it tells me that there's a, and I don't. I don't have anything against Bernie Sanders. It's just like I think he's also he's very laser focused on what he wants to be focused on, but he's also hypocritical. Yeah. It's like, dude, bro, you, you can't have it both ways. If you're the guy that's all you know, you you hate the one percent, you think that there shouldn't be billionaires, you, you think everybody dude, that's that's not true, man. I mean it's just it, it's you can't have all, where are these people gonna work? Right. If people aren't running companies, where are they gonna work? Yep. If you're now telling people you're talking about inspiring entrepreneurs, but now you're saying we only want you... small entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who think small. We don't want anybody that's thinking like Google or Apple or, yeah. you know, Amazon. Those are too big. Those are too powerful. We don't like that. Think smaller. And in the same breath, say China's a threat. Yeah. If we don't, if our, com- or if our companies don't do it, and then we open up the doors to, to companies that are probably unscrupulous, What's the benefit there, right? We talk about it's building in America, but we also say, yeah, don't get too big. And on top, I want you to do all this hard work and build something impressive, but give 25% of your company away. If you told me that, I'd tell you, uh, you better go somewhere with that. Yeah. No, I'd rather sell it than do that. Because that's you can't make me as a government. Do you, now, I do believe that you should, you know, I, if I could, I would take 10% of my company and make it available for employees to purchase ownership in the, mm-hmm. in the company or gift to some. But I would take 10% of my company and, and, and structure it that yeah, way. Yeah, but so 25% be, is way too much. <laughs> I won't. But it, and it, should still, it should still ultimately be up to the, the, the owner of the company. That shouldn't yeah. be a government-mandated sort of thing. So it's just, it's like, I think he's, I don't know who he's trying to talk to, but he's not talking to me. Like, and I, I admit, I'm a, I'm a conservative person. I, I've got to, you know. I mean, I'll tell that. you, I'd say Bernie probably thinks he's one in the fact that you listen to him at all. You know, it, the fact that you're a relatively conservative person that pays attention to what he's thinking. I think for him, that's probably a win. <laughs> yeah, but he, like, even heard my response. Like, Bernie, dude, you have people. You got to stop saying that, man. You can't. Yeah. You can't. He's not going to do that. I, my pie in the sky president was Bill Clinton. And I'm still bitter about it. Like, I, I, I am not going to. I'm bitter about the pie in the sky dream of Bill Clinton. And I learned. And a lot of people, whether they admit it or not, it's like, you got to, when you look for somebody, you got to think about what they're actually doing. And it's a, it's a cold day when you realize, yeah, you didn't keep any of those promises. You actually made things kind of complicated and worse for some people. Yeah. And the people you're talking about that you were, you were begging for their votes for, you screw them. Yep. And so I'm, you know, and I'm, as an African-American, I wish every 
candidate would stop saying, right, yes, we are a major part of this country, but you're you're actually begging for a vote and you're forgetting other people that also have a voice in this country. Yeah. That's that's just embarrassing. I don't I don't think their speechwriters tell them that. Like that's what that annoys me. It's just like, yeah, you guys don't even get it. You're talking about we want to unite I want to bring people together. No, you're not, because you're only talking about black people and Latinos. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you got tons of other groups out there that you are completely <laughs> forgetting about. <laughs> Well, uh, I, unfortunately, I have to wrap things up because school gets out three hours early today, um, and I got to yeah. run up over and pick up the kiddo because um, we're supposed to get some snow here in North Carolina. Finally, we're not getting we it yet. But <laughs> well, guys, it's been great talking to you guys, um, and we'll be back next week. Um, please follow us up on all the social things: Facebook, Twitters. Uh, what other one? Instagram, Twitter, Instagrams, and you know you can definitely reach out to me. I'm I spend more of my time on Twitter, and uh, listen to us on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes Music, Google Play Music, and did I miss anyone? SoundCloud. No, and I'll tell you what. Uh, anybody who is willing to get their car wrapped in a giant promotional sticker. Uh, for the Chris and Andre show, I will give you one big hug, one big bear hug. Uh, so that's my offer. So if you want that, uh, just reach out to us on the social meds chans. That's how you pronounce social media channels, uh, for the new generations out there who are listening new gens as they might call you. Um, that's what you do. You just shorten everything, but no, uh, Sorry that this one's a little late. I had to do a last-minute trip this week, but um, we will be back next week. Thank you to everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Who's there? Interrupting Cal. Interrupting Cal.